Hello and welcome back to the Field of Design podcast for your news, stories and nonsense from the sports apparel and sports creative industry. With me, he's interesting, he's the best thing since wrestling, he's infesting in your kids' ears and nesting, Mr. Mason Charrington. Mason, how are we? Hello, Kit. I'm you great, like thank you. I do. That's great. It might be on my, um, that one might have already been on my notes on my phone for, for an intro down the track, but as always, you're very good at <laughs> pipping that. you got to be quick, got to be quick around here, killer. <laughs> and good. also with us, he's like Harrison Ford, he's getting frantic. Like Sting, he's tantric. And like Snickers, he's guaranteed to satisfy... Mr. Nick Bassett. Nick? 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 Nick is not with us. Nick went on a trip to New Zealand and packed everything except for his microphone. So, um, well, we'll say that we've cut, you know, cut him loose or cut the he's dead gone. wood. What's the saying? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let him go. Yep, but he's over there. Uh, and his marching orders. Over there, sending back carrier pigeons of all kinds of horrible stuff about New Zealand. So apologies to our Kiwi listeners. Um, <laughs> but is, is this the first episode of just myself and you? I uh, remember if he's missed one before. No, we've we've done a couple. There was a couple last last year. Um, I think he was away for three good three weeks actually. Gee, can't so remember. yeah. Well, in today's episode. We are talking Indigenous kits, which are starting to roll in across all sorts of sports, as well as talking about Champions League balls. So bundles of fun coming up, as, long, as well as a super long mailbag segment. Uh, to keep up with the visual references to, in today's show, visit our Instagram page at Field of Design Podcast and look for the EP46 highlight reel. You can find all source articles and reference links via our EP46 page at fieldofdesign.com, thefieldofdesign.com, apologies. Get in touch with us through our Instagram or via email at fieldofdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Mate, I cannot wipe the smile off my face. I'm loving this reverse of roles tonight, just sitting back, relaxing. Mate, uh, I've even got notes for the show, so... Um, <laughs> Now that that Kiwi scoundrel's gone, you'll you'll see the best of me because I just feel like he his vibe, his aura clips my wings. So he's uh, waking he can, you down, mate. He can stay in New Zealand for all I care. Oh wow! Over on the synthetic turf, over at um, what is it, Dynasty HQ? Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but that's me clocking off, mate. I'll kick back and you can sort out oh, the rest of it. So I'm thank exhausted. <laughs> Oh, um, mate, I enjoyed it. That was great. Um, Thank you. Don't get used to it. Reading. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe once in a while. Uh, okay. This is from baseball.com.au. The, jeez, uh, I haven't done a very good job here. Uh, this is the release of uh, Baseball Australia's Indigenous uniform, um, which includes an emblem on the left chest. Uh, the emblem acknowledges the rich history of culture in the country's First Nations people through an Indigenous symbol designed by Wadjuk Noongar woman and Perth artist Jani Maguire. In 2021, it took 18 months to design. Um, <laughs> Looks cool. <laughs> Don't know about 18 months to design, but um, yeah, I think that the uniform's a little bit boring in general, but I do like the 
you know the 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 word mark and the logo on the front um the socks are pretty groovy Mm. you you check those out um and i think we might touch on a few of the other teams kits a bit later in the episode but yeah interested to hear your thoughts mate yeah um I mean, I can certainly sympathise with sympathise, sympathise um, when when they're talking about the length that's taken to design such a simple thing. It's common feedback that we, I mean, you know, we see on online all the time around the behind the scenes of getting designs done and across the line and everything else. And I'm sure we're actually going to touch on it a little bit in the uh, episode later. But a um, whole lot of red tape and and sometimes necessary and unnecessary processes that that go into getting something even even as simple as as this across the line uh i obviously you know i'm not i think it's new balance isn't it the suppliers it is yeah yep. so i'm not sure if that's new balance or if it's um belgravia but anyway um you know th- there's a whole lot of processes that that need to go in place for that and i can only imagine there are a whole lot of different departments that would need to tick off and sign off for even something as simplistic as that i really love the kit actually i mean it's it's quite simple and clean um and you know i can enough gold uh you know i i actually don't mind it i did a little bit of work for softball australia uh, a couple of years ago and they were actually heavily focused on um a lot of navy in their design so more more emerald green and navy for their australian australian teams um doesn't I think they do have a predominantly yellow base as well, but maybe that's a softball versus baseball thing. I don't know. I'm I'm not phased that there's not a lot of yellow there. Does it Just disturb talk. you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, I'm pretty staunch in my thoughts on what an Aussie kit should look like. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. I don't mind the the shades of color, you know the color tones that they've gone with, but a little bit little more gold would have been nice. Um, I mean, just to highlight something about the indigenous symbol, which is pretty cool. Uh, to the right, you'll see a diamond shape, which represents the pitch. The circles around the big circle is a symbol for a star. It represents the champions of baseball. So, um, yeah, I actually think that indigenous element is my favorite part of the the whole kit. Mm-hmm. So cool. Uh, there's a link also included in our links uh, to the YouTube video, which actually interviews the players, and I actually found that a lot more touching, I guess, um, than the article itself. It was a little bit more personalised, you know, coming from the players. So um, check that out if you can. Uh, shifting across now, so this is uh, this article came through thanks to nit.com.au. Geelong Supercats to wear Indigenous strip all season in 2023. In an unprecedented move for Australian sport, Geelong's top basketballers will wear an Indigenous jersey across the entire 2023 season in what could be a permanent change. No professional or semi-professional sporting club have adopted specially designed Indigenous uniforms as its only strip outside of Indigenous rounds. And it follows the push from the Australian 50 over and T20 national cricket teams to adopt a unique First Nations kit. Two Geelong Supercats, NBL1 and four Geelong United Big V teams will wear the navy blue designs after entering a landmark collaboration with the Wathurong Aboriginal Cooperative in February. Um, You know, we've talked about this plenty of times over our uh, 46 episode, um, 
history so far around it's it's not going to take long until there is a team that adopts a a fully indigenous clash or away jersey i know in the super netball um which is where i put my a lot of my focus and attention into at the moment um i think I would say 90% of the teams have at least some Indigenous element on their season kits, but not to the extent of um, having the kit as an Indigenous theme. Are you seeing similar things over in your neck of the woods? Uh, it's probably club by club, really. I mean, the Western Force with, you know, their various links to the Indigenous communities. Uh, have a big focus on it and not just their playing kits but all their training stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I think to me that's what makes sense. I, I like the idea of, you know, if if your club, uh, if the area you represent in particular has those strong roots and strong connections, then, you know, why not build on that focal point rather than, you know, I'm not accusing anyone of this, but rather than just doing it for the sake of doing it. Mm. Um you know, I dig that. You know, you've spoken about if there was a Northern Territory team or something like that, you know. Because, um, you know, make no mistake, there are clubs that, that put a, a shitload more effort into into these sort of things mm-hmm. than, than others. So, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I know it gets a little sensitive talking about Indigenous designs, but I, I'm just going to say that there is good and bad Indigenous art, like there's good and bad art you know in general so um you know as long as it looks cool uh i'm all for it and you know to me leads perfectly into our next segment because this is a design which looks really cool yeah penrith panthers 2023 indigenous thanks to penrithpanthers.com.au the panthers are proud to unveil the 2023 panthers indigenous jersey recognizing the land animals and people of the drug nation um, I've just snippet out a, a paragraph of this, but um, there's a full breakdown of the jersey if you click on the links. Um, a significant part of the club's jersey range in recent years, the 2023 Indigenous jersey has a number of features which are consistent among fan favourite designs of the past, including male and female totems of the Darug Nation with fruit bat and ringtail possum as well. Um, two handprints representing gender equality and the role males and females play in rugby league on and off the field. And of course, it's in those you know early two thousands Penrith colours, the the colours that they won the two thousand three pre- uh, premiership in, which is obviously uh, twenty years ago to this year. So yeah, um, I mean that's what makes it cool for me. Um, don't know if I love what they're doing on the sleeves. I think. I'd personally probably prefer those just representing flags now that we can do that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really digging this jersey and um, we'll be worn against the Broncos at Suncorp. Yeah, I think this one's going to be a big seller. Uh, I am also not fully on board with what they've done with the, the sleeves and the, the, the stripes. The, the application itself is fine, but I probably would have kept it a little bit more consistent across the chest and the sleeves in, in some capacity. I, I don't have an answer right now as to what it would be, but um, I think that's probably the, the, the small bit of criticism I have for what is quite a fantastic jersey. One uh, pet peeve I have, and it might have even been touched on previously by us, but it's the old Shutterstock handprints rather than, um, you know, rather than actually creating 
handprints from someone's hand. Mm-hmm. Not sure if that's the case in this situation, but uh, something worth noting. Yeah, I don't have a close enough visual here. Good, good sign is to tell uh, if it's the same hand that's just been rotated or flipped. Yep. Um, yeah, and in which case it potentially could be. I don't know. It's a bit hard to say right now. Um, but, yeah, it, it, they've gone to all this effort for, well, for what I hope is custom um, totem designs. You would hate that they've just put in a, a dock hand print when that's probably one of the easiest elements to customize. Yeah, I mean, as we know, some uh, individuals and organizations have been known to steal st- steal totems before. So mm-hmm. uh, go back and that's... find that episode. We won't we won't have to repeat it, but go back. And have find I named it. names? For uh, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. <laughs> oh, not personal names. Okay. No. Well, no. That's going to happen soon. I think enough times pass. <laughs> okay. The uh, lawsuit settled. When it's when it's suitable, in the next few weeks, I'm going to tell that full story and, and name names and really go deep. So look oh, out for Jesus. that one. Okay. Should we get our field of design lawyers on board just in mm-hmm. case? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't right. f- sue for def- defamation if it's real, mate. So okay, I'm doing anyway. The, the Gil Gunderson uh, <laughs> <laughs> sweating, mate. This is from dragons.com.au, fresh uh, at the time of recording, I think maybe in the last 24 hours. St. George Illawarra are proud to announce Zoe Raymond's artwork, Stand Your Ground, as the winner of the Dragons 2023 Indigenous Jersey Design Competition, as selected by the club's Reconciliation Action Plan Committee, staff, players and local elders. Zoe wanted this design to encompass the story of Bridgigal warrior Pemelwall, and the continuing story of our warrior men today who continue to fight for our people. You know, yeah, you I'll, just, I'll just say, like, <laughs> I practice these design, uh, these names before we record, and even then I still can't get them right, so I apologise. It's all right, mate. You're making an effort. Um, what's interesting in this one is that they've actually... On the on the on the website, they've showcased all the the entrants that didn't quite win. Mm. So just quickly browsing through that, uh, her design is certainly my favourite. So I actually think that's going to come up quite nice on a jersey. Um, it's interesting but... that the, they have shown the canvas as well, and not. I don't think we've actually. There's no jersey there to be seen, is there? No. So, no. like that, th- these would already be made and printed. Right, or because it's who is it? It's is it classic? It's yeah. classic. Yeah. So they may may have the facilities to be doing them now. Don't know. Um, yeah. Looking at the slides, I probably might actually have to disagree with you, mate. I don't mind the first one by Portia Williams, and also where was it? Uh, Eleanor Binge, number six as well. Um. Not to say that the one that was selected isn't bad. Uh, I just think that that's probably a little bit more, uh, what's yeah. the right word? I like number 11. Organic. Joanne Nicky is quite nice. Number 11. Um, probably doesn't quite have enough red to appease the club, but I think that's a cool piece of artwork. Actually. Lightning sick. Yeah. The, um, yeah, this, it's actually the detailing in it is quite impressive. Yeah. 
dare I? No, I won't. No, let's move on. Um, Last bit of news that we have. This is from UEFA.com. It's kind of like UEFA. EA in the sports. Can you tell that I was trying to avoid it? But I'm going to have to say it now anyway. Yeah. UEFA. UEFA, which is ironic because it's UEFA. So it's not UAFA. Taking inspiration from the colors of the ball used in the 2004-05 UEFA Champions League final in Istanbul, this uh, year's Champions League ball uh, in, in Istanbul, a royal blue background and gold and silver icons pay homage to one of the most exciting comebacks the competition has ever seen. Gold detailing represents the history and culture of the city, while the silver markings are a take on the coveted Champions League trophy, iconic white stars. Each contain one of three patterns that signify the bridges that connect Europe and Asia, while the blue and orange shading on the outside of the stars represent both continents. Now, really, where's Nick where we need him? I'm sure oh, he would have cares? a lot to say about this. <laughs> Mate, there's nothing he could say that we couldn't. Um... Yeah, I wish they, I wish they would show us what the previous ball looked like. Uh, uh, if, you if you click on that, if you click on that link, I did. That, yeah, and then I think the second or third paragraph is there's a hyperlink there. Does that refer back to? No, I probably stand corrected. Never mind. Anyway, we'll try find that for the highlights. But uh, yeah, it's cool enough, I guess. Is it subbed? Is that, or is it died? Do you know? No. No, I I stay in my lane. Hmm. I've done a bit, done a bit with um, Heartsport. I'm sure there's a lot of people that know Heartsport. Go check them out. But I never have actually asked the question, or if I have, I can't remember. If anyone works in the the equipment sector, I'd be keen to know if this is actually sublimated or if it's a different process. There's a lot of detail on there. There is. Yep. Okay. All right, let's move on, hey? Absolutely. Building a range. Building a range. Now, this is either going to be, you know, somewhat interesting for, you know, the niche little amount of people who find this stuff interesting, or this is going to probably bore the pants off some people who could not give two shits about it. But, um, you know, with, with Nick being MIA, I just... Myself and you found ourselves brainstorming some ideas for a segment, and I suggested why not talk about how we go about building a range. You uh, gave us shit when we decided to go and do the guidelines episode, and I have to say that's it's not the highest. Our guest episodes definitely attract more listeners than anyone else, any others, but uh, that guidelines it, episode definitely got the nerds on board. All right, all right. So we'll see how we go. It put me to sleep, but uh, <laughs> each to their own. So um, we've actually we've actually been inundated with a fair few questions about people, you know, people saying how to get into the industry, how do you get started, and stuff like this. So, uh, but potentially this somewhat aligns with that. Mm. Um, now I don't profess to be, you know, incredible expert about this stuff, and you know, it's forever tinkering with it and trial and error and stuff like that but i'm going to detail to you how i go about uh creating a range for an nrl team um so so what you do first or what i do first what we do first is um you know um probably october 
for the following, not the, the season directly following, but, but the future season. So this October we'll be designing for 2025. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I'll go on a, a retail trip, so whether that's locally, interstate, international, and you, you, you go around and basically go and see what's out there, um, see what the big boys are doing, any cool trims, any cool styles, any cool fabrics, this and that. You also can go to your your your, uh, your, your fairs and, and stuff like that pre-COVID, um, your li- liaise with your factory, uh, and basically just compile this information of like a massive mood board about what the range could look like, ignoring colours and branding and, and sponsors and this and that, simply what the actual garments are going to look like. So you're stripping back even from a, a club level at this point of view. What yep. are some design elements that I could be... When I say design elements, you're talking trims or garment finishes, styles yep. of, of cuts of shirts or jerseys or pants, whatever. So stripping all the way back, starting off with a, with a, with a new canvas, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So um, your style lines are a big one, um, you know, whether you're having, you know, mesh fabric through certain parts of the jersey or the, or the garments. Um, you know, do you want to hear a certain type of embellishment like your silicon badges or, you know, your grippers or this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with this all in mind, it's easy to go and trick something up so it's the greatest thing that's ever been seen. But as you well know, you've also got, you know, budget constraints as well. So I think that's what some people probably don't understand fully is that you've got to try and make something as, as fresh and as awesome while still, you know, matching those those uh those limits those financial limits so and 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 so sorry uh the those those budgets could be from a a retail point of view compared to a profession like the the team the squad's point of view as well like are we talking range overall you know um or are we talking specifically for retail as well um it sort of goes hand in hand i guess yeah but yeah you, the biggest thing is is that your company's making money at retail i guess as you know you got to be making the clubs happy and in the end they sign off on what their logo sits on but um <clears throat> yeah so i, I <clears throat> my biggest thing is point of difference and i'll probably mention that a few times in the next few minutes but uh there are other suppliers out there probably like classic um, not to shit on them, but if you look back classic over the, the last few years, there's not a lot they're doing year to year. Um, <clears throat> they're keeping things pretty simple. You know, I think the Bulldogs have kept the same collar since I was there uh, a few years before I even left. So different brands do it different, whereas we will completely redo our training range every year. There's certain things which might stay the same, like a track pants might not change, you know, until every couple of years, but at the end of every year, I'm starting fresh with a clean canvas and designing what we call whites, because that's all it is at this stage. There's no colours, um, there's no logos or sponsors. You're doing the whites. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking, just summarising so far, we're looking at fabrics, what mm-hmm. fabrics are being used in what panels. Mm-hmm. We're looking at what those, and we can put trims and panels together, so how that garment is put together and maybe a baseline concept of um, finishes, whether that be an embroidery or a badge or a heat seal or, you know, whatever other tactile embellishment. Yep, absolutely. 
Um, <clears throat> so once we've got that sorted, we'll get those sampled. I'll try it on, um, make feedback. They'll do another round, send it back. Once we're happy with that, it's time to start liaising with the clubs. Do um, you... Sorry so to interrupt. You, you, your whites are locked away. Your whites are sorted. Yeah. So do you get a few sizes and you, you're trying on, not you specifically, you might have a few test subjects around in, the, in, the, in your network or your company or whatever that you're working with? Uh, only if there's things that, that you're to be concerned of, like whenever you're playing with collars, Yep. Um, that's something you should be doing because and, you know, I had it happen when I was a little bit more amateur back in my early days that you know, you do a new collar up and then all of a sudden you try to chuck it on a kid and it doesn't fit over their, <laughs> fit over their head or something like that. Yeah, I've been there too, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's certain things that you probably don't necessarily do because the block stays the same. Now, by the block, I mean, you know, the size, the size spec essentially. Yep. So you might, be, you, you might be tricking up what you're doing on your sleeves or around the collars or your, your, you know, your arm panels or, or this and that, but you, you, your fit is still say, staying the same. Yeah, so if you were to have a, a rectangle, you can cut a rectangle up however many ways you want, you know, horizontal, diagonal, right angles, whatever. But at the end of the day, when you put it back together, it's still a rectangle. So you've got your base um, range or, as I said, a block there, and it's just you're cutting those panels out. Yeah. But they all get put back in, in with the fit, finished product essentially the same. Yeah. I mean, essentially your two most important measurements are your your chest and your length right and then there's mm -hmm. your surrounding ones which mm -hmm. you know you would have seen size specs where you've got 15 20 different measurements um of yes, all the I intricate do. stuff so yeah um and and i suppose from my perspective on that too there are times where where we've put panels in in certain spots and it will change the fit but you know between the design side and the factory side generally you're on you're on top of it pretty quickly if if things don't end up sitting the same way or fitting around, you know, the bust or whatever it might be, you know, well, I need to change, slightly change the angle of something or how it's in fact sewn together. Maybe it needs to be a, a top stitch rather or a, a flat lock rather than a, a top stitch. Yeah. I mean, you could have a, a lycra fabric um, and have that in a size spec and then you could have a, you know, a, I don't know. Standard mesh. A, yeah. a, a mesh or a, a peak or something like that and obviously they might be the same spec but they fit vastly different so it is a good point you raise that mm. um you can have that difference so that that is why you try stuff on um but yeah at, at this stage we've locked away the whites so uh this isn't too far away from where i am at the moment probably january i'll look to have the whites locked away for pt 24 protein 24. Mm -hmm. so once be confused that... with the other pt <laughs> So once that's sorted, it's time to engage the clubs. Um, and depending on how many clubs you have, that's obviously complicated. But um, so we will speak to the Cowboys, for example. Uh, we'll use them because they're the, the, by far the best club that I've ever dealt with in this sort of stuff. Okay. Um, by the length of the Bruce Highway. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll engage them. You might go armed into that first meeting, whether it's a Zoom meeting or whether it's in person, with some idea. Well, you definitely have ideas. You'll be able to tell them what you have in mind for the for the whites, but you also will probably have in mind a general theme of the range. Um, what what I've 
started doing and what we've started doing is printing off big boards of what the clubs have used with us the last X amount of years so that we can see where they've been, where they can go. You know, do you need to add a new colour into their reins? Like if you look back into the Manly or the, the Cowboys, you'll see that, you know, one year we might have charcoal going through the range, one year you might have black. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there'll be fans who don't like that probably, but you've got to remember that, um, you know, things like your track pants or your gym shorts and stuff like that, you can't just roll out maroon gym shorts every year and expect people to buy them. So that's why we do stuff like that. Like obviously if you can cycle in a, a charcoal hoodie and a charcoal track pants or, or black and this and that, it, it just gives a, a stronger retail presence. Mm. Um, so yeah, you go in that first meeting and see what they're thinking, see what's worked for them, see where they want to go. You're, you're building up that reputation, uh, that relationship. Um, they might trust you a little bit more from year in, year out. They might be happy to you know, let you run with it. They might have some thoughts themselves. They might be happy to go crazy on sublimation. They might, might want to dial it back. Uh, like it really is a collaboration in that sense, I guess. And is this the point in time where you're also needing to take in consideration, um, you know, when we're talking about budgets just before around you've got X amount of fabric that needs to be dyed to cover, you know, these charcoal panels on the side or if, you know, the maroon is very specific maroon for Manly as an example um, and you're going to do a unique you know, fabric for a trim or a side panel or something like that, you're working out at this stage, how much retail am I going to need to cater for this year? How much pro am I going to need to cater for? Um, We can have a massive, uh, you know, side panel that's in this U-Butte, you know, Lycra or mesh or something like that. Mate, where that comes into play is uh, if it is for a smaller club Mm -hmm. and not to name any, but we've got a couple of, bigger clubs and then we've also got a, a few smaller clubs so obviously if you're a big club like manly and the cowboys and uh whatnot you've got more power to because you know you're going to get the numbers you know mm-hmm. you're going to make it um obviously if you just want to do a, a, a small panel in that you're going to have more issues uh if a, one of the smaller clubs is super dead set keen on running something like that like a uh you know a piece dyed cyan polo or something like that you might say to them, um, okay, we'll do it, but you're going to have to run with it again next year as well to, to eat up some of that fabric. So there's absolutely those, you know, those things that you take into account. Yeah. Is that what um, you reckon ASICs and the Broncos had going on this year with their, what did you call it last week? Uh, is it papaya? papaya. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, well, that's through a lot of their clubs, not just the Broncos, but mm. uh, yeah. Something, something wasn't strange. selling from the ASICs factory, so they needed to <laughs> palm it off to some of their pro teams. Mate, I, I think out of all the clubs in the NRL, you probably could strong arm. I think the Broncos would be one of the least because the big bad Broncos probably do what the fuck they want. Yeah, which is interesting then that they've still got that colour. Um, okay. So, so yeah, so you might go armed into that meeting with some designs already set up. You might go in there with nothing. You might go in there with a mood board. It all depends. Um, you get their information, see where they're at, go away, and then you start working, basically. Um, the first thing I like to cover off is your on-field because that's really your crown jewels, right? Like, you, mm. you know, that, that is a pinnacle. Uh, your home and away jersey is 
you know, essentially that's your your masthead of your, your year, of your season, of your club. So you get those sorted. Um, I sort of like to separate everything into a few different groups. So you've got your on-field, which sits separately, your off-field, which can probably be divided into two subgroups of training and winter. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your headwear, and then you've got your miscellaneous, like all your sundries and bench jackets and bibs and trainers tees and weird stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, we're making more of an effort this year to really, not that we've done a bad job of it, I don't think, but to make headwear really talk to the training range as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, with on-field, the first thing I, I typically do, and we, we joke around about break glass in case of a, you know, a heritage jersey. Yeah. I'll research and I'll see, okay, is there any milestones we can tie back to, if not for the home jersey, but for a heritage jersey? Any premierships we can celebrate? Um, rah, rah, rah. So that's the first point of call. How um, often would it be that you are going to the club with these milestones or whatever? rather than the club coming to you? Like, are you usually going to them first and they're going, oh, yeah, you're right, we did win, you know, 20 years ago? Um, I think 50-50? Me, me personally uh, and my keenness and the fact that I've got, got them planned a couple of years ahead yep. is that I'm banging down the door as soon as possible. Uh, Manly are, are typically really good at stuff like this and then other clubs you sort of got to remind them so it really does vary uh, and i would be curious that if i wasn't pushing it or when i say oh, i mean we when we we're not pushing it how many of these clubs would actually eventually land there mm. I, I couldn't tell you that um, so, Matt, you call me a nerd and i'm clearly more the nerd than you are on face value but you're laying down at night going to sleep going 2025 mm, 2026 2027 uh, this club there, this club there, this club there. Mate, this stuff is the only thing that um, has ever been able to keep me engaged for a long period of time. Like everything else I'm usually is a fad for me, but for some reason uh, whatever bug has bitten me in terms of these jerseys and, and sport and stuff like that, it's this. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll cop that. Um, <laughs> so obviously with on-field at Dynasty, we do a new a collar every two years. So every second year, things are a little bit more complicated. And I'll like mm-hmm. to do new uh, playing shorts as well. Okay. Um, you change so, the panelling much on the shorts? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that comes with strength, te- strength testing and all that sort of hoo-ha. Um, so you, you don't get any tears and this and that. Um, mm-hmm. So this season... That I'm working on right now, we don't have that, so it's a little bit more relaxed in that small regard. Yep. Um, but so you've yeah. introduced that collar this year, being 2023 PT season. Yep. So 23 and 24 will have a consistent collar across your pro teams, and then in 25, yep, you'll have a new collar which you won't be working on until towards the end of this year. Yeah, I haven't even got anything <laughs> in my brain for that. Um, and. There is a club being manly, which um, obviously you've got the two-year jersey cycle, you've got the two-year collar cycle. The way manly is formatted is that they have home jersey in old collar, home jersey in new collar, new jersey in what will be the old collar, new jersey in new collar. So it interlaps, it overlaps, if that makes sense. Right. So in, in, in terms of a, a retail point of difference, that's a little, uh, a, a cool little thing to try and, get a few more sales whereas yep. 
some so clubs. De- sorry, mate. Yeah, go. Sorry, go. So yeah. their their um their designs alternate on a two year cycle. Their collars alternate on a two year cycle, but they're not on the same cycle. They're essentially yeah. like you could argue a fortnight opposites as yeah. far as yeah, yeah. For, so for a, a club like Cowboys, who keep their sponsors, um, their collar aligned perfectly with our. Uh, their home jersey aligned perfectly with our collar cycle. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it gets really tricky in that second year to to, to get jersey sales out of your home mm-hmm. and away. Mm-hmm. So you got to try and be a little bit more creative because um, you know it looks like the same jersey, right? Mm-hmm. Same sponsors, same collar, same design. So we um, I, I tried thinking a little bit outside the box, and what we did that year was um, we embossed the gripper on the replica jerseys. Mm, I do remember that. Yep. Just for a, a cool little touch that fans would appreciate and, um, you know, just for a point of difference maybe to, to try and get a few more sales. So whether the, the juice is worth a squeeze in that regard, I'm not sure, but um, you don't know if you don't give it a shot, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, so home and away, hopefully you're getting those sorted. Uh, rah, rah, rah. That's a big one. Then you move on to your off-field. So I've tried this a heap of different ways, and I think this is the best way that works, not to give away trade secrets or, you know, really show how the sausage is made. That might be the, that might be the episode title. Um, Take note, Craig. So I've found that nailing the training tee is the number one priority when it comes to the training stuff, right? Because what is the point, if you're going to have this whole range speaking to it itself, what's the point of going and designing everything until you've got that sub-graphic locked in? Because mm-hmm. you're just going to create so much more work for yourself. And then with all these teams that we, we work on, you, you, know, you just don't have the man hours. So I will want to knock in, you know, lock in that training T design. Once you've got that sorted, once they love it, once you're happy with it, all of a sudden that rolls through your, you know, your alternate tees, your singlets. If you want to, um, you know, put it through your, obviously your gym shorts, if you want to put it through your, your winter stuff. So it's a hero blah. element. Yeah. Yep. And um, like I said, a lot of the time you're going to have a, a colour that you want to carry through, whether it's a charcoal or a black or a navy blue, um, you know, which talks a lot to your winter stuff. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how I've done it. And that's how I think it, it works pretty good. Um, and like I said, the, the biggest thing for me is point of difference. Like I know a lot of fans might not not want to hear that, but my job is to make gear that is going to sell for my employer, right? And the, sure. the one that, that Rebel is going to be the happiest to, to purchase and, and see move. So, you know, I guess if I was to summarise, and hearing, hearing me speak, I hope that it comes across that... <clears throat> I I couldn't imagine there'd be too many people who respect a club's DNA and history like I do. Like it's the first thing that I do is I can spend hours in the archives finding out who the team is, their history, you know, what their fans are, what they stand for, this and that. So I guess to summarise, you know, my MO, um, I want to pay respect to the club's DNA while still giving fans a reason to buy stuff each year. Yeah. Um, and obviously if you're just going to roll out a plain navy pole every year for the Cowboys, you know, you'll have your, your rusted on Facebook fans who are going, you're navy and nothing else, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you're not doing yourself 
a service at retail by doing that. So um, there are certain items where you've just got to kind of cop. They're going to be the same every year. Like I can't imagine that cowboys are ever not going to have a, a, a navy pole in their range, right? So it's what else mm. you can do, what mm. trims you can do, what you know, can you get sub through there somehow? Same with gym shorts. Like they're probably always going to have a navy gym shorts. They're probably always going to have um, whatever the Headwear. hell. I Headwear, yeah, navy, navy cap, yeah, with a logo on the front, able to get a bit more flexibility there, which is um, cool. But you're right, they're going to want a predominantly navy cap, so it's not just how the range sits against previous years, but it's how it sits against each other. So, you know, giving your, your alternate tee enough of a reason to be different to, to the regular training tee, um, yep. So, so a yeah, a couple of questions for you, um. Which one that always comes up when you're looking on Facebook or Instagram is sponsors. Mm-hmm. So you would take no consideration at the point of designing for what sponsors would be on jerseys or if, for example, we can use the Cowboys again, you, you know, you're 99% sure that that Toyota logo is going to be on the front. Mm you're catering for that in your designs? Mate, what I'll do is I get, I'll, I'll do it. I'll get someone on the team to take the whites, which we've spoken about before, mm-hmm. um, whack all the Cowboy sponsors on them where they were mm-hmm. last year, make it Navy by default, and then that's the canvas. Work around that. What are you doing? What are you adding in? Where's your sub-graphic going? So in terms of a blank canvas being literally a blank canvas or just a pure navy, you know, you are working around those sponsors. Because as we've seen, which gave Nick the shits last week with Newcastle, there's no point having a fancy fucking design if all of it's sitting behind the NIB logo, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, so how yeah. often then don't you have that major sponsor locked in at this point in time? Um, or do you, like, let's just say in an we... alternate reality when Toyota's not going to be on the mm. front of the Cowboys, um, you know, are you? Mate, the suppose, cow- Cowboys yep. are tricky because um, they are so fortunate. But I've been at clubs like um, like the Bulldogs. I was I was working on the Bulldogs range when they had that man Mad Monday saga, and all of a sudden mm. our stuff was on the production line, and we got a phone call saying, "Fucking everyone's jumped off. They've got no sponsors, so you can't do anything." Um, you know. It, Depends on what your contract says in terms of when you need sign-off and this and that. Yeah. Um, it, it probably really comes down to each club specific and each, each supply specific. But you'd like to think you've got levers there so that the, that the club's um, inadequacy to sign sponsors isn't f- completely fucking you at retail. Because yep. if you don't have stuff in retail at Christmas, you know, that is, that's a huge hit. Yeah. So, and Which, you've paid all this money to, to be this club's supplier and that you're not maximizing it whatsoever. So you, yep. we've seen, and a good example is probably um, Cronulla. I don't know if you remember, but um, we went to retail. I think they had Sharks at Carilla, I think it was, which mm. is their leagues or their, their oh, I don't think it's their leagues club, but it was a, um, that sort of thing, like their partner yep. um, owned by the Sharks because the alternative was to either wait and miss out at Christmas sales, or it was to have nothing at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess it comes down to each 
specific circumstance, but you know, that stuff does have a massive impact. Yep. Okay. And then uh, the special rounds. So at, at what point are you starting to look and consider those? Um, you'll, get even, this, you'll get this sorry. main stuff out of the way. Yep. And then you set your, your, your eyes to what are you going to do there? Um, so in the timeline, yep. w- when is ideally your seat, main seasonal gear locked in, done? You know, you, you're saying you're starting in around October. When are you kind of wrapping up? For the main seasonal um, stuff, like to send it to production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. Oh, don't, yeah. don't go specific. trade secrets. But yeah. like you're you're starting in October. You pretty much you know you're groovy by by February. There's not too much left that you're stressing on. I mean, you don't have to give it away if you don't want to. Yeah, I mean, when you say when you say groovy by um, a certain date, we've we've got critical paths that we have to hit. Mm. Um, to be able to maximize it because, um, you know, maximize how much money you're going to make for the year, basically. Because if you don't miss some, if you don't hit some of these, it means your gear is made late and it means that you're just sending stuff on on a plane rather than a boat to get there yep. in time. And it, that that cost is just astronomical. It always has been, but since COVID, it's even worse. So, um, <clears throat> well aware of yeah. that. Yeah, so you might, I mean, you know, once a club, once a club's happy with the range you've made, they're like, great, you know, let's go to sample sign off mm. and get the samples made. So, you know, that might be, that might be March. Yeah, that might be March that you, you that, get stuff sampled. That's that's fair enough. That's a, you know, I think that answers my question as far as your process. You know, starting from a blank canvas to going, look, it's nearly out of my hands and into production's hand. I, I guess is essentially the question or the answer yeah. that I was looking for. You know, you're you're not having, well, you probably are having sleepless nights because some of those teams haven't signed off on things and it's getting tight. But as yeah. far as your workload goes, yeah. you would be starting to round up. Yeah, because once, uh, once you got the samples uh, made, then you get inundated with print files with questions, with queries, you know, they might take X amount of weeks to make. Mm-hmm. So you, you're still pretty chock-a-block and, and busy then. And then they all come in and it's like, bang, it's time to get in front of these clubs. And that and like, is the, the one non-negotiable for me in terms of visiting the clubs. Like you may, not, you may or may not visit them initially, uh, but when you have samples in your hands, it's like fucking busy, like a two-week time, two time period. It's like, fuck it. Let's go to Townsville. We're going to Sydney. We're going to where we're going there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you're loaded with your samples. And hopefully they love it. Um there might be some minor tweaks. Uh we're not reinventing the wheel because, you know, if that that, that time's probably passed. Yeah. Um, you know, they might still take a little bit of time to lock in sponsors fully. Um and then, you know, hopefully by hopefully in June sometime you've Place your orders, June, yeah. July, whenever that is. Um, bang, your stuff arrives in time and everyone's happy. Sell a shitload at Christmas and Bob's your uncle. Um, but and, and, I mean, just to, just yep. to go back a little bit, um, so I mentioned the training range um, and having it all talk to each other. My theory is there's a few items which can probably sit outside that 
um, and it's probably better if they don't. Like they, you know, you might refer to them as hero items. So you warm up to go gangbusters, have a theme, do something crazy. Your, your captain's run team might be the same. Um, a few specific items, which I think it's better to sit outside your main range. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, I, I probably want, don't do headwear until all the main stuff's signed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me just say, like, Dynasty's headwear, like, we put so much effort into really bringing that up to scratch the last few years. Some of the stuff that I've seen in recent weeks... Um, I'm going to go on ahead and say, like, our hats are better than fucking Euro hats. Like, our hats are unbelievable. So some of the stuff that will be coming out in PT23, look out. You know I'm um, a hat person. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, back, I mean, back to your, your, your question about special jerseys. Once you've got all this stuff sorted, that's probably when you try and push the clubs for special jerseys. Sometimes it can be pretty hard because you know clubs think oh fuck why do i got to think about a, an anzac day jersey or an indigenous jersey already because it's not till round 12 next year or whatnot but some clubs are super organized and sub sub clubs are like the cowboys the, the way the cowboys get their indigenous artwork done so early in the piece makes things so much easier because you can have that all wrapped up and not be stressing about it so the only problem with that is when the, you have to wait until the NRL fixture for them to sign it off. And then the NRL fixture comes and they've been the away team fucking 12 out of 13 years and the the jersey design that you've had fucking locked in for the last five months has to be reinvented. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a different story, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's probably that's probably basically essentially how I go about it. I don't know if there's much more that i've got written here unless you had any more questions uh no no i think um i'm sure the the listeners will have a fair few questions that you know i probably probably take for granted a fair bit to be honest um if they're still awake at this point oh mate they're awake don't worry please let kit know (laughs) um yeah I i think that pretty much yeah, there's nothing else coming to me right now. So, um, yeah. well, how much how much involvement would you have? Do you reckon in those those specials? You know, is it is it a fifty fifty, or even just the designs in general? Like I know we spoke about um, when we had Marie on last year from the Cowboys. She kind of had a, a good idea in mind of what she was hoping to get out of twenty three's gear. Yeah. Um, is there a good collaboration between you and the, the clubs or is it a lot of the time, this is what we want or you present some ideas and they go, yep, that's great. Mate, it, it's, it's so specific club by club. Um, mm-hmm. And Mari and the brilliant team and organisation she works for are an absolute breeze to deal with. And I'd probably go as far as mm-hmm. saying they're probably the best in the, in the entire country. And then there's other clubs that I've dealt with, which it's fucking pulling teeth. And <clears throat> not saying that these are any of our current clubs. Could be clubs that I worked with at Classic, maybe not. But there's some clubs which have too many voices. There's some clubs that uh, they're afraid to make a decision. Uh, no one wants to speak up. There's clubs that don't know what they want. There's clubs that think they know what they want. Um, 
Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of compromises, times where you've got to... It's really politics is how I'd describe it. And it uh, It was just coming to me now. We do get this. We do get people messaging us quite frequently ranting around oh, the people at the club have no idea or you know i can't believe you know this uh, this artist should go hang them i think this is someone that some, something said about you this artist should yeah, go hang was. themselves yeah. yeah um but still here can't <laughs> well well we can't use the c word surely that's it. surely the c word we can't use hey, we're fucking podcast. aussies <laughs> um where was i go you've just completely thrown me now um we're not in canada mate jesus where i was you're, getting at you're talking where I was about getting at, people online yeah. criticizing and then probably not knowing the yeah. full story well that's essentially it there's a in my experience and you know your 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 uh area is a little bit different to mine but there are a lot of people that need to make decisions and there are also a lot of corporate partners that sometimes come into play with a lot of these decisions and i think it's really unfair on the public and the nerds the jersey nerds like you and i who maybe don't have a a full understanding of the behind the scenes that it's never really sometimes it is but it's never really one person's fault why something is the way that it is and you and i and people in clubland have to jump through hoops sometimes and compromise to get things done and i'll put my hand up sometimes things are not what i envisage or want even when it's my idea we're the most disappointed out of anyone we see something that we birth and and think up and then once you know everyone's had their Chinese whispers and and you know mutilated it, it, it you know changed their minds and this and that. It, it turns out to be something that doesn't resemble what we dreamt up at all. Yeah. And we know that the fans are going to hate it. We know it's going to get shat on. No one's more disappointed than we are. Yeah. There's plenty of fantastic ideas that you know I've started or come across that will just never see the light of day. Or you might hope maybe down the line someone else will utilize it somewhere but you know at the same time it's probably going to be butchered in some capacity mate i when i joined classic i remember just spending days going through all their files like the new south wales blues and stuff like that and just seeing some of the concepts and just being like a kid in a candy store and i remember talking to the head designer at the time i was like why didn't this get up why didn't that get up why didn't that get up and she was basically like oh you got a lot to learn like um she said, "You know, my best work stays on the cut. You know, gets left on the Get cutting, on the room, cutting floor. room floor. Yeah, and that's yeah. it's so fucking true. Yeah, and there's so many talented artists out there online, like better than me. You know, probably better than you too. But I, I think the well, okay, no, the the greatest, <laughs> the greatest art form or the greatest skill that you can have in it as a designer, particularly what I know in our industry, is being able to be." flexible and adapt to the obstacles that come your way you may have the fantastic design posted up on instagram um it's it's a beautiful piece of artwork on a jersey or whatever else but you're not following nrl guidelines you're not following sponsor guidelines um and you know kudos to you great designer 
um, you know, people who are wanting feedback all the time, find the guidelines, come up with a creative design, grab the sponsors that your club's got, go with the Knights, get the NIB logo on the front, challenge yourself and actually come up with a design with those obstacles in place rather than just, you know, designing to showcase that I'm a good designer. Mate, I, I'm dead set when I say it is politics. Like getting this stuff over the line is dead set politics. <clears throat> like letting them have a win. Um, mm-hmm. You know, another one of my bosses said, it's all about picking your battles. Yep. Uh, and that, that, that rings so true as well. Like there's some things where you know you've got to fight for and then some things you've just got to let go through to the keeper. And I remember um, like Nick's done so much great work since he joined, but I remember me and him had a tiny little spat um, I think it was around Christmas and I was flat out and stressed and um, he was trying to push something and I hope he takes this the right way. But um, And I got what he was saying, but there were other things at play, like other voices that I was having to appease and information that I knew. And I was just saying, mate, um, you know, I get what you're saying, but it's got to be this way for this reason. Here's why. And <clears throat> I don't think he fully grasped that initially. Yeah. I think he was talking to me as a mate rather than as a colleague and got a little frosty for a little bit there, but it just sort of, um, you know, I had time to reflect on that. And we're, like, we were obviously all good and like we are all good, but um, it just reminded me of how many different voices there are and how many different things at play and owners of teams and CEOs and dragons in the marketing department and, you know, sponsors that have too much say when they shouldn't and, you know, you know, clubs that play bitch to coaches when they, sh- you know, shouldn't mm. this and that, like and players, you, yeah, players, players as yeah. well. <laughs> like there's just yeah. so many, like each, I could sit here and just tell you why each team is so difficult to get stuff sorted and who the hurdles are and why. And it's not until you do it for a few years and you're working with this club that you sort of develop a way to navigate around this stuff. But yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's uh it's it's a journey that's for sure and i I applaud applaud you as well because you're so forthcoming with your information too um i i probably get me sacked well yeah you're a little bit more comfortable with giving away such information but you know this this podcast the primary idea and concept the existence of this podcast was for these conversations and so you know we haven't, we're not closing yet, but I, I would just like to thank you for being comfortable in sharing, you know, that information with us from, from your, Thanks, your mate, company perspective. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, it's not necessarily talking about any of our current clients because they're all fabulous or current partners, I should say. Of course. Um, yeah. No worries. There we uh, go. That's all right. the sausage. <laughs> That's how the sausage is made. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's let, finished on a bit of a downer, but so much great information in there and and a lot of positive stuff too. So, um, uh, send through yeah. any questions that you might have as well. Um, if anyone has anything that they want clarified or this and that, blah blah blah. But yeah, more than happy to touch on anything. Most things. Speaking of bag, yep. Yes. So we did actually get a. Well, you, you, you put up a uh, bit of a call out today for people to reach out. So we've got some questions there, but we also have a few other things as well. So uh, from our friend over at uh, RL since 1908 on Instagram, 
I think he tagged us in just something reminding everybody that the NRLW team for the North Queensland Cowboys is the Cowboys and not the Gold Stars, which I think was discussed and mentioned on Marie's episode last year. Uh, We've got uh, Lachlan Box here for, uh, commenting on the Napoli kits that we mentioned a few weeks ago. Now, was that the Lips one, Napoli? Was that the Lips? Napoli, yep. Yeah, Napoli, sorry. Um, and so he's shot us through one of their Christmas kits, which has got a good old animated Rudolph. Yeah, check that in our, in our highlights. But, um, mate, while we're on, while we're on Lachlan, uh, probably one of my favourite Instagram designers, by the way, for this sort of stuff. Yeah, okay. And I've had a, had a few quick chats with him and I actually told him that I had to stop look at him, at, looking at his stuff because I didn't want to subliminally, subliminally pinch anything. Yes. Um, it's, yeah, it's all tremendous. So if you want to head to theconcept.lab, you'll find Lachlan's uh, superb NRL work. That's um that actually is something that I've heard about. Is it uh Disney? I think Disney or Warner Brothers have a policy that they do not open or read any fan fiction from anyone that's that anyone emails them because as soon as they open it, then there's a risk of um plagiarism in there. But yes, um what is it, the the lab? The concept yep. lab? Yes. He they um have definitely popped up in my feed multiple times. Over the last, well, geez, few years, to be honest. Um, like people like this, and I know we've just, you know, said it's not all sunshine, sunshine and roses, but someone like this who's clearly got a passion, like they clearly love it, like we, like we once did and hopefully mm-hmm. still do to some degree. It depends on what time of year it is. <laughs> that, that passion and talent alone says to me that if this person um, wanted a job in the industry bad enough, no doubt in my mind they'd get it. Mate, look and at it, that! It, look at that Melbourne Storm. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, you don't want to see any jerseys. No, it, I'm yeah. I'm happy to. I'm just yeah. trying to see it on my screen. I've got it up as well. But, mate, if, if someone like this, if I was someone like this, and I desperately and mate, Lachlan could be doing something else. He could be a fucking engineer or something, making three times what we make. But if someone like this uh, wanted a job, and if I was someone like this and I wanted a job. Mate, all I'd do is make a fucking killer portfolio and just smash every supplier, smash clubs because even club land's a decent way to, you know, get started if you like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I have no doubt whatsoever that eventually you get a fucking job. Yeah. Persistence, repetition. Yeah. And, um, you know, the thing, the, the thing with the industry at the moment, and I know we're running quite late, it's nearly my bedtime, but the thing with the industry at the moment is that gone are the days where you can just be a, an awesome designer who paints pretty pictures and is an illustrator whiz or a Photoshop whiz. It just probably doesn't exist like it used to five, 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you need product base. You need to know a little bit about what this shit is, right? Like what your jerseys are, how stuff yeah. works. Um, you know, you need to... You know, seams, you seams, lining yeah. up, you know, what, you know, you see a lot of designs where it's like, oh, that actually would not work because <laughs> yeah. it's going over a seam a certain way or what, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, just if, you, if you're listening, go check out, check out the Concept Labs post, uh, 23rd of November, 2020. Um, 
Melbourne Storm post there, like Castor. If anyone from Castor is listening, reach out because uh, he's doing not, a better job than you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, mate. I'll I'll uh, put something on the highlight so people can see it. Good job. Um, uh, let's, anyway, yeah, let's let's roll through this. So anyway, uh, yeah, so I'll roll through these ones because this was another brilliant uh, innovation by myself. Yes, I'm full of them. Um, not the only thing full of. Not the only thing I'm full of. The Instagram posts asking for uh, messages for us, and we got a few. Some we appreciate a bit more than others. Uh, Jersey tragic. Our friend slash foe sometimes because he's a bit of a fucking smart ass. Jersey tragic has said to us, "Why does Castor get to do whatever they want with player numbers?" Um, now I'm probably past my Castor shitting days because I think they're actually improving. I think they're getting decent. Their Australian stuff is starting to be more in line with what they're doing internationally, which is decent. But uh, he sent through something from the Melbourne Storm website uh, mentioning a new Storm Heritage jersey um, designed as a throwback to their first home jersey. It features a deep V design, blah, blah, blah. Players will also pay their respects to the first team by wearing name of the original player who ran out in the corresponding number, along with replicated number designs on the back. So it sounds to me like they've got the retro number, uh, which I guess Jersey Tragic is alluding to. So <clears throat> the official line that I got from the NRL was, "These things will be treated." Sorry, these things will be treated on a case by case basis. So maybe that means if someone from Dynasty asks to do something special, they get knocked back, whereas your classics and uh, castors and this and that get to do it. I don't know. Um, what I find interesting that he didn't mention is that they're going to have the names of the players who wore that jersey originally on the back, which is fucking cool. And to right, be honest... Right up, you know, between the shoulder blades where you would traditionally see a name. It's, not like, it's not like a small detail on the sternum or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I would hope it's top back below the sponsor. It's going to be cramped there, but um, I still think it's awesome hmm. and kind of makes me wish I did it. The only thing I wonder is... You know, how do they get that signed off? Because I know there's complexities regarding players wanting money for for name jerseys and this and that, but full credit to Storm and Castro that they've uh, they've got that happening. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there'll be a retail retail range for it too. It'd be interesting. Um, what else you got? Our other friend's friend, RL since 1908, is asking any cool NRL kits coming from Dynasty for 2023. Now, I have to remind myself what year 2023 is. That's the current year. Yes. And there is some cool ones. Obviously, we've got um, Indigenous jerseys coming. We've got some Anzac jerseys coming, potentially. Um, and then uh, another one of our clubs is going quite bright and bold for a special round, potentially. So keep an eye out on that, uh, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, another one of our friends. We're all friends here tonight. Alistair Lovelock, check out the World Baseball Classic Unis. Okay. Um, which could have been a, a main topic. Obviously, you spoke about the Australian one, but he's linked us uh, all the other teams' designs, which, yeah, pretty cool. Mate, mm. I want to bring up one in particular uh, is the Chinese one. I don't know if you've got that in front of you. but um... uh, Only one of my links is a hyperlink at the moment. Let me just copy and paste. So uh, the, he sent us a page with all the, I don't know what you call it in baseball, whether it's just the the word logos or the word marks that go across the front, but um, 
the Chinese one is just so fucking cool. Like it, the the top of the sea is like a dragon's head. It's in the classic Chinese red and red and yellow colors, um, and it just looks flipping awesome. And then I've got a sick cap with like a bright red cap with just that gold dragon sea on Ooh, it. Oh yeah, I don't mind that um, that hat at all, actually. Yeah. So, f- mate, I'd wear that. I eh? so me for too. me, they're the winners. Yeah. Um, uh, cool other sort of word marks as well. Like, um, yeah. I think the Mexican one's pretty cool. USA one looks a little bit like bacon in that S. Um, but yeah, some awesome stuff. Probably probably strengthens the Australian one, seeing it next to all these other countries. But yeah, that's awesome, Melissa. Thanks for sharing that, mate. Yeah, thank you. I agree. The, the baseball's just a very, it's got its own iconic look, doesn't it? Like, yeah. it's very. In stripes. Yeah. Font on the front. Yeah. And I believe it was Alistair who also told us what the technical term for that that um, piece around the the neck into the um, placket is, but don't have it in front of me. So apologies once again for forgetting the name of it. Matt Horsey asks, do you have a favourite sport to design for? I'll throw to you for that one. I, I do really like designing for netball, uh, actually, surprisingly enough. Um, I think, you know, the dress, even though, it, you know, as it looks, you know, the dress might be is not as um, common maybe down the line, but I know the professional teams still prefer, prefer to wear the dress and I think it's a great canvas to work with. You've got a bit more room than, a, than the jersey itself to play with. Um, you've got the added um positional patch as well you're a little bit more limited with your necklines but you know and at valor we're certainly um been exploring that a little bit more and exploring the dress patterns a little bit more past what what's traditionally done in the past i had a little bit of involvement with the the lightning when they first came in with their dress and trying to mix it up a little bit there otherwise um i've hockey as well so i think hockey can be quite fun um, I haven't been able to dip my toe in as much as I would have liked in in my career so far. But um, you know, sometimes they play in singlets, sometimes they play in tees. Um, the women have a you know a range of shorts and skirt and skirt options as well to to include in their uniforms. Um, and hockey is another interesting sport in that it's not. Um, you know that they're, they're a bit lower centered a lot of the time. So when you're thinking about camera angles and stuff like that, there's more things to consider because you know they're leaning forward. It's not you know straight up as much. So yeah, I'd I'd be keen to do ice hockey at some point. Be really keen to tap into that a little bit more. Um, and yeah, of, of course, you know any designer would I think love to do a rugby rugby league or an AFL kit at some point in their life. I'm obviously an AFL nuffy, but I feel, and you know, I did, I was from WA obviously, but in my teenage years, I really resonated with the Broncos and NRL. Um, but AFL is clear number one. But in saying that, I feel very fortunate that I can design on-field kits for NRL teams. Whereas I knew, no, if I worked on AFL clubs, they pretty much run out in the same thing every year, right? Like mm. Occasionally, one of the smaller clubs might have something a bit different in their away Guernseys or this and that. But I feel like, you know, especially working with the Cowboys and like Titans and stuff like that, you get a, a bit more 
control you, there. You just triggered me, actually. I recall a period when I was studying and I wasn't working in the industry and I was on the way to a job interview to work uh, for an apparel company and um, took an, you know, an extended lunch, whatever else, jumped in a, a cab at the time. It wasn't even an Uber at that point. And, um, you know, general chit-chat, the cab, cabbie, what are you up to? Where are you off to? Oh, job interview. Um, what are you looking for? Sports apparel. You know, oh, sports apparel. Where's, where's that going to take you? What are you going to do there? And, you know, I said, oh, man, I'd, I'd love to um, love to design, you know, jerseys for NRL or AFL teams. And this guy, this cabbie was from Victoria and he said, there's, no, there's nothing in AFL jerseys. It's the exact same design every year. You're not going to get a new Collingwood thing. And I remember That's going funny. into that interview feeling so defl- <laughs> deflated because this dream of designing <laughs> for a professional sports team um, and it was just like this cabbie just, you know, flicked it off but, like it was never going to happen. Mate, I obviously did the, the Brisbane Lions stuff briefly. I feel like I had one chance to make that away, Guernsey Mine, which I've spoken about, mm. and that was the one that was hijacked and made white and shit out. So... Um, but I don't think fondly about that. Uh, although they did steal my indigenous uh, design, so yeah. Anyway, um, for me, I mean, yeah, I'd love to, and I did have the chance, obviously, with first ever. But I'd love to do some basketball stuff, like pro basketball stuff. Like obviously, the NBA is a fucking light years away, but that would be cool, especially with some of the city stuff they're doing these days. Um, mm-hmm. Even the NBL. Um, apart from that spoke last week about my love for the MLS and how you could really sink your teeth into those finer details and, you know, the, the stuff that, you know, the big boys run with. So it, it uh, would imagine, I know when you were talking before about, you know, kid in a candy store and, you know, having to budget for certain things um, when you're preparing the thought of working, you know, for an Adidas and a, or a Nike and you're doing an EPL team and you've got, all of these different applications at your disposable mm. disposal disposal. Um, you know, I the, think the, of the R and D departments at those places. Yeah. And and Nick and I have probably chatted about this off air personally a couple of times, and and nearly thought, would it actually be better to work in a company company like that, or would you actually be pigeonholed into one specific department where you don't actually yeah. get the opportunity to? design the sublimation, pick the fabric, pick the embellishments, or would, would there just be an embellishment department? Would there be a sub department? Um, you might come together and collaborate, but you're really limited in what you can do. I'd imagine it's completely, um, you know, compartmental, like, you know, they, they just divide your little departments up and you yeah. might have c- control over the embellishments, like you said, but yeah, I think you've got a point there. Um, and that's probably probably a good spot to put a little bit of sizzle on the on the barbecue. Um, that we are having a guest in the next couple of weeks with someone who has worked in that space. So um, yeah, keep your ears out and subscribe. I guess, mate. There's one last comment there. I don't know if you want to read it instead of me. Ridiculous. Uh, Guy needs to grow up a little bit. Yeah. So this one is from Liam Pack. Is it one of, true? One of seven, by the way. Is it true Kit moved to Queensland because of his love for bananas and Jason Ackermanis? 
what have you got to say? Mate, that guy is a dead set fucking clown, eh? He lives in Sydney and all he ever does is whinge about East Coasters. Like, fuck off back to Perth. <laughs> oh, God. Mate, if well, I ever see that guy in person, it'll be hand-to-hand combat from the get-go. Like, seriously. You still haven't answered the question, though. Did I move because Did of my you? love? Well, he's stupid because he really could have ribbed me because it's actually mangoes that I had a deep affinity for. Mm-hmm. All my friends know that I'm famous because I invented the mango diet and ate mangoes for three months straight. Nothing just, but mangoes. Just mangoes. Yeah, lost like 28 kilos or something, eating nothing but mangoes. So that probably would have been a little bit funner. Judging by Liam's responses, he's on the cans. So any type of, you know, <laughs> lateral thinking from him is is rare at the best of times. And no, I don't like Jason, Jason Ackermanis either. So I moved to Brisbane because um, sh- Sydney's a shithole and Melbourne's a shithole. Moved up here, and I'm glad I didn't move to Melbourne after what they were subjected to in COVID. So, yep. How good is Brisbane, though? Brisbane's great, even though you live in the Gold Coast. (sighs) Moving on, wrap it up. All right. I'll be in bed in three minutes. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Don't forget to follow our Instagram at Field of Design Podcast. If you like what you've heard today and want to hear more episodes, don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast app. Um, as well as leave us a review and some stars. How many stars, Kit? Mate, it's a five-star without Nick. Oh, brutal. Brutal. Is that rough? Uh, Do you think he'll listen? Yeah, of course he's going to listen. Oh, all right. Okay. We need just go five stars for the topic, the, uh, the in-depth, decent conversation. Sorry, Probably. the intro is five stars. There you go. Uh, and yeah, that pretty much wraps us up. If, uh, if there's any questions that uh, you guys have as listeners, please shoot us through a message at our email or, uh, at our Instagram and thank you, Kit and not. G the intro was much better than the outro. G the oh, intro was much better Craig. than the outro. Craig, we had a policy, hey, vo- voiceless policy, Craig. Thank you. <laughs> what did you say? G the intro was much better than the outro. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Oh. Gee, the intro was much better than the outro. That's <laughs> <laughs>